Alright. So today we're going to talk about the four living creatures in Revelation. Uh, these creatures we mentioned briefly last week. Uh, they each have multiple eyes, multiple wings, um, a, a face that resembles like an animal or a human. Uh, they're very strange looking in appearance. And so a lot of people pass these over in the Bible because it's like, I don't want to touch that, I'm not sure what that means. Kind of crazy, we'll just check that off the list and go on to something else. But there's some important truths we can learn from this, and each of these creatures have a very important purpose and meaning. Um, now, again, in Revelation, there's a lot of things that can be left up to interpretation. So just like everything else in Revelation, pretty much, um, there's multiple interpretations of the four living creatures, what they represent, what they mean, that kind of deal. But there's some things that we can, we can pull that are for sure factual from the text. We know they, they are for sure like this, this, this. And now there's some other things I think will lead you guys to say this will probably make the most sense on what these four living creatures represent and what their purpose is. So um, I think you guys will like this today. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read off the text pretty short here in Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to dive into the purpose and the meaning of the four living creatures and what that means for us today. So right, here we go. It's this, like I said, Revelation chapter 4. We're going to start in uh, verse number 6. Okay, verse number 6. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like crystals. And in the midst of the throne, and around the throne, were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature, like a calf. Some versions say ox. The third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Now, catch this part here. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, so they don't sleep at all. And throughout the day and the night, they're constantly saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come, which has been turned into a song now, which is kind of neat. And then in verse 9 it says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast a crown before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. Now we're going to dive into a little bit more of the creatures here in Revelation 5. We'll touch on that for you in a second. Because the living creatures are not only mentioned in Revelation. Most people don't realize that, or a lot of people don't realize that. The living creatures are also mentioned in Ezekiel and Isaiah. These are all considered like books of prophecy. Um, now, there's a debate on if the creatures mentioned in Ezekiel and Isaiah are the exact same creatures mentioned in Revelation, but they have a, a, a extreme similarities. All of them have an eagle, lion, ox, and human, basically, uh, or at least one that Ezekiel does. So in Ezekiel, the living creatures that are, are, are shown in the book of Ezekiel all have four heads, okay, which is kind of interesting. And each head, one's an eagle, one's a lion, one's an ox, one's a human. The creatures we see in Revelation have one head, and there's four different ones. There's an eagle, a lion, a calf, 
and human. So there's similar there's similarities in these. Um, what's important to note, though, is that from our study of text and doing some scholarly research and things like that, the four living creatures are not necessarily angels as a normal angel would be, and they're not human, honestly. So what are they? What most people have landed on are there some kind of exalted order of angels. So they're not necessarily like your standard angel that you hear of throughout the Bible. They're like an exalted version of that angel. So like a higher, a different kind of created order of that angel. And so, that's pretty cool if you think about it. The spiritual realm, if you do some study on the spiritual realm, you know, from heaven and hell, it's pretty neat to see some of the things uh, that's included there. Um, and so, uh, let me go through what are their duties. So in Revelation chapter 5, it tells us that. Um, and it mentions a little bit in chapter 4 about how they worship throughout the day. But I want to read you guys off. Revelation chapter 5, 6 through 14, it says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out to all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each having a heart, and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and every tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. And now here's what's important to know about this. <coughs> And in Revelation chapter 4, all day long they're chanting the same thing over and over. Okay? And we, it's pretty easy to tell that's a worship to God. You know, because again it says, You're worthy, or holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So it's pretty obvious that they're worshiping God. Now, what's interesting about this, in the very next chapter, they change their song. Did you get that? They change their chant. When the Lamb comes up and starts opening up the scroll, and the scroll will be very important later on in Revelation, we'll get to that in weeks to come, but as the Lamb opens the scroll, they change their worship, and they begin to worship, and they say something different. And what they say that's important to know is it says, um, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God. So if someone redeemed us to God, then obviously it's not God himself. So at this point, they're worshiping Jesus. Kind of interesting. And then what's important to note there is it says, um, and we shall reign on earth. And, then they, and it jumps down and says, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, strength and honor, glory and blessing. Uh, and then it says, it goes on down, the creatures say, blessing and honor and glory and power, be to him, I'm sorry, that was a thousand and thousand. This is the creature. It says, Blessing, honor, and glory, and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. So, why this is important is the creatures were basically created to worship. That's the only job they ever pretty much do in Revelation. There may be some parts of judgment also involved in, 
but mostly it's it's worship. And what's important to note there is they pretty much give the same honor and the same worship to God and to Jesus in heaven in this throne room scene. Why that's important is because it, it re reaffirms the idea that God and Jesus are, are one and also separate. Does that make sense? How you have the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, God and Jesus, they are one. There's also three individual parts. So this is a showing the comparison here in Revelation that they're on the same kind of level of honor and praise and power. Um, and, and they worship day and night. And then when they worship, everybody else kind of follows suit. So it's almost like they're the worship leaders in heaven. Uh, the creatures are like, ah, I want two, three, <laughs> uh, But they do, they kind of start the worship, and after they do the worship, everybody else follows the course. So it's kind of neat to see that. Um, so again, because they have that kind of powerful role, and so they're all later, they're probably in this exalted order of angels, a little bit higher than a typical angel. Uh, and now, it says what they look like here. Uh, what they look like is they, we just talked about a little bit, they have lots of eyes, frontwards and backwards, and within. So that's pretty crazy to think about. I know, if you really think through that one, think about having eyes within. Um, <laughs> and then, um, it also says, they're four in number. They have faces like the beings in Ezekiel. They have six wings each, which we talked about. Um, and they offer worship. So, why is that important? People can overlook that and just feel like, okay, there's some kind of weird, crazy creature that God made, just kind of creepy, or something kind of neat, but it doesn't really have a purpose. The reason they have tons of eyes, is, again, you're looking at Revelation here, in the throne room. And the throne room is basically showing how God's judgment will be fulfilled upon the earth. And so all of this ties into who God is and leads up to judgment day. So pretty much everything you see in Revelation can somehow be tied into who God is or somehow part of his character. And so um, the eyes are probably standing for God's omniscience, omnipotence. Sorry, I said that terrible. Omnipotence. And so basically it shows that you know God is all-knowing, God sees all, and, and there's nothing that goes past you know, God's view of humanity. Um, so, again, as we fast forward to Revelation, get to Judgment Day, everybody has to answer for their life, and it's kind of showing that, hey, there's nothing that, that, that has happened on earth to this point that God missed or overlooked. You know, he, he is present, he's watching, he's actively judging the world as it is, and we're eventually going to have a big time Judgment Day to come. Kind of neat to think about. Um, and then, um, you can think about this too. Um, let me see what I have here. Okay, yeah, each, each face, the eagle, the lion, the ox, and the human, there's kind of two main interpretations of this right now. One is each one of these uh, represents one of the gospel themes. So, for instance, you could say one of the gospels uh, reveals more of God's majesty and his glory. So maybe he's just more of a lion. Um, that, 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 that could be possible. But I think the other interpretation here that is prevalent today makes a little more sense. That each of these is a facet of God. 
Because again, kind of the whole point of this throne ring in Revelation is pointing us to God's eventual judgment and that He is worthy, the Lamb's worthy to open the scroll and things like that. And so, the eagle. Why would God refer to Himself as an eagle? Or why would that be part of His characteristic? I want you guys to think about this. The eagle is mentioned in Deuteronomy 32.11. It's part of the song God instructed Moses to teach the Israelites. In that song, God compares his care for his people to that of a mother eagle who spreads her wings to cover her young and carry them away from danger. Throughout scripture, eagles actually represent God's handiwork, such as in Proverbs 30.19, which says the way of an eagle in the sky is an example of God's wondrous creation. And Job 39.27 is another example that also points to this handiwork. But eagles also symbolize power. God often used the imagery of an eagle in issuing warnings to Israel and other nations who did evil. This is in Obadiah and Jeremiah. He chose the bird they considered powerful and unstoppable to demonstrate his sovereign control over everything. Pretty neat. So you want to sum that up, an eagle is powerful, it is um, unstoppable, compared, at least people back then thought an eagle was unstoppable, and it's caring. So when you look at God in this sense, and if God's going to compare himself to an eagle, God is powerful. God is unstoppable. Nothing's going to come in the way of God and his eventual will uh, for humanity. But also God is a caring God. He cares for his people. And that's why he sent Jesus eventually die on the cross for us, because he wants us to be in a relationship with him. And he wants us to inherit his kingdom and all of us and have joy and peace. So he is this powerful, unstoppable God. He's also caring and nurturing as well. And so an eagle is a good example of, of those characteristics. Does that make sense, kind of? Yeah. Um, the next one I want you guys to think about is the lion. So what do you guys think when you think of a lion? What are some things that come to mind? Fears. Fears? Okay. Yeah, the look. Yeah, Aaron had, Aaron had a good one. Fears is a... jungle in the sense, you know, um, but also loud, 
loud. If you look at Revelation as well, what's happening when God possibly speaks? Thunder is happening in the throne room. You know, lightning's happening when it talks about. So it's this loud, thundering voice, kind of like a lion. The lion roars. Everybody pays attention. When God speaks to a thundering voice, everybody pays attention. So it kind of parallels to where a lion would be on earth. Yeah, why? Yeah, I think that, that's probably that's probably why. That's a good point. Yeah, I like that's a good, that's a good illustration. Um, uh, so also, if you think about this, the lion is mentioned in um, some of the symbolism. Now, I'm understanding the baby Jesus in the manger and the suffering Savior on the cross. This can be found in Luke two seven and Isaiah fifty three seven as well. And also reveals that Jesus is the conquering King of Kings. And I'll put um, his overcomer. Doesn't really address as good as conquering. Conquering is better. Can't you use the cubic, I mean the, the taste method? The taste method? What do you mean? Cubic simple stupid. We could. Uh, so maybe those four. Uh, now the next one here is an ox or a cat. This one's interesting. I want you guys to think about this, okay? This one's really interesting here. Because when you think of God, most people don't think of an ox or a cat, right? That's not something that you necessarily think of. Now, hey, listen, guys. Calves were commonly used back into this society for sacrifices. Oh, yeah, because they also, uh, they didn't go to sacrifices. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so they were made for sacrifices. In addition to that, uh, the fatted calf, uh, or so-called so in Scripture, was regarded as the choicest of animal food. It was frequently offered as a special sacrifice. So this will lead us to believe that Jesus, being a sacrificial lamb, it shows that God sacrifices, and he, he chose to sacrifice for us. So think about this, if you go into the throne room, right now you're seeing how God is unstoppable, he's powerful, he's also caring and nurturing. You're seeing that he's above all, He's, his fears, you know, everybody pays attention when he talks, but also that uh, he also sacrificed for you. And so think about this if you're a non-Christian, and you come to the throne of, of God, and you see all this, and you realize just how, just how much you missed the mark. Because you're seeing that God has all these incredible traits, and you're seeing all these things that God did for you, and yet you never chose to follow him. And that would be a pretty scary place to be. Especially somebody that's this powerful and this fierce and this about to cast judgment. So it's a it's a good challenge and reminder to us as well that one day we're going to have to face God, and He is going to have all these characteristics about Him. He's loving, He's nurturing, He's also fierce, He's powerful, He's unstoppable, unstoppable, He's a conquering ruler. And so when you go and give your account of your life to God, think about the way you're living today, and, and would God be proud of that or not? And if not, what are some things you can do to change that so this conversation goes better and, and God can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, and now what you guys think about this here, up here, um, Jesus, is, again, this is very parallel to Jesus. The human is the last one. Now, obviously, he's not actually a human because it's like exalted angel form, just the head of the human. Obviously, humans don't have six wings um, and eyes all over the place. So it's an exalted angel form. But why, would, why do you think a human head would be shown? And how would that tie to God? Because it was God's creation. 
God's, that's great, God's prized possession. Yes, because we are God's prized possession. Okay, also, what you got to think about this? He can also demonstrate how God used Jesus to come to earth as the form of man. Um, and because Jesus came in the form of man, it shows just how much God wants to relate to us. And it also shows as well God's un- Conditional love. So, guys, think about this. You're seeing all these characteristics of God at once, at play in the throne room. And all these things that happen around her are, again, showing qualities of God, showing that he's meant to be worshiped and praised, but it's also revealing a lot about who God is. And so you're seeing here God's powerful, but he's also caring. God is fierce, but he also loves us so much that he sacrificed Jesus. God is, God relates to us, and he has unconditional love for us, but he's also still just and a confident ruler. So he has all these qualities at this point here, you can kind of see through these living creatures that are sitting right around this throne, and you're leading up to him. Does that kind of make sense? Kind of a neat thing to think about. Now, what you guys really think about this? I found this, the host is really good. It says in chapter 5, we see that one of the most interesting aspects of the four creatures uh, is that they demonstrate that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is equal to God himself, which we talk about in the Christian faith. Their worship of the Lamb, which we read in Revelation 5, is clearly directed toward Jesus Christ. And they say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And to him who sits on the throne... And to the Lamb be blessed in honor and glory and might forever and ever. And they fall down and worship the Lamb, which again, the symbolism of Lamb, you're going to see all throughout Revelation being Jesus, along with Him who sits on the throne, God the Father. And so it's pretty neat here if you think about this. The scripture makes it clear that Jesus and God are of equal, equal uh, playing fields, but also differentiating as well. They're kind of both at the same time going on. You're seeing the throne room, how they all play together. And now, one thing that's really interesting here, you guys might not call, call tonight, is this. Um, they have bowls of incense uh, that it talks about in Revelation. Uh, there's bowls of incense mentioned multiple times that different people have. And it's they're full of the saints' prayers. Okay? If you do some research and dive into that, you know, that's kind of weird. Why is there <laughs> Old incense and prayers. Um, but if you dive into that, all throughout the Bible, in Isaiah and in Ezekiel and in Revelation, it's what? Prophecy. These things are to come true. You know, these things are to come true. People are praying and crying out to God. People are, you know, writing things down for us to read about what God revealed to them. All throughout history, all these saints, all these great followers of Christ are prophesying this day is going to come. And so, in a sense, at the throne room, when judgment day is about to happen, and the end times are coming to fruition here, you're seeing all these prophesied prayers in the room as well. And, you're, and it's, it's like an incense that's coming out and an aroma filling the room, 
saying that yes, this is coming true now. All these prayers, all this prophecy, all the things I told you were happening in the Bible is all going to come true exactly as I said. And, and today is the day of judgment. And like, here's, here's the rest of how eternity is going to go. Kind of neat to think about. I mean, it's really hard for us to grasp that. Think how powerful the thing that is. All these prayers and incense are coming around. People are worshiping on the throne. You have living creatures that are worshiping and praising God and represent certain things. You have a thundering voice of God. You have a rainbow, you know, thunder, lightning, a sea of glass. It's a pretty impressive uh, scene. And again, all of this points to who God is and, and who God is today. So I want to kind of leave us with this. Is although this is futuristic, it's also a good reminder for us to know who God is, who makes the final call, who holds tomorrow, and who is on the throne. You know, God's on the throne today, He was forever, and He will be forevermore. And so, who are you living your life for? Are you living your life for God that's on the throne, that is the powerful, unstoppable ruler, that's also caring and sacrifices for you? Or are you living your life for somebody else that's not going to be on that throne one day? Because one day, you're not, going to have to, you're not going to have to face that person at school, or the person in college, or the person in your workplace, or in your family, you know, or your club you're part of. You're going to have to face God. He's going to be the one with problem, not that person. So whoever you're living to please today, whoever's approved we're living for, is it God's or is it somebody else's? Because in the end, when you face God, He's the one with problem. How you live for Him, if you gave your life to Him, what you did, did you follow his will? It's only that's going to matter. Nothing else is really going to matter. And so I want you guys to think about that today, knowing that God is this. Who are you living for today? And are you living for the one that's on the throne? So let me pray for us, and we'll kind of close. Well, I think so much is for showing us the four living creatures have a great purpose, like everything does in the Bible, God. And it's going to be an amazing scene the throne of heaven, especially when Judgment Day comes near. But it will also be a very scary day and a frightening day for some who don't know you. And so, God, I ask that we, having given our lives fully to you, that we do that today. That we turn over control to you, surrender to you, knowing that you are God, you are on the throne, and you are high above God. And you're the only one who is worthy. And so, God, I ask that um, if we have friends or family that don't know you, that we really seek after ways, and you guide us through the Holy Spirit in ways to reach them. For you to show them your love and your truth and what you did for them through Jesus on the cross and that they can be in heaven for eternity with you one day as well. Thank you God for your word and your truth. And we pray. Amen. Now you might have any questions on the four living creatures or some things